When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Hi folks, Dr. History here with another story from the Old West. Before I start today, I just want to say hi to Dennis and Roxy over in Pine Grove, California. I want to thank them for sending me a couple of booklets, uh, one on the Gold Rush Trail and another one called the Overland Journal that has a very interesting uh, story about the Mormon battalion. So anyway, thank you, Dennis and Roxy. Appreciate this. So today, folks, I'm going to talk about uh, the uh, last of the old-time prospectors. So his name is Frank Harris. He was born, uh, according to him, in uh, 1857 in Rhode Island to an Irish father and Scottish mother, both of whom died when he was about seven years old. He was adopted by an aunt, began working at 11 years old in a calico mill. At age 14, he ran away from his aunt's home and worked at a variety of jobs in the surrounding states until at last he decided to head west. And so he became somewhat of a hobo, uh, traveling by train uh, whenever he could. But by 1878, he found his way to Leadville, Colorado, which was at the peak of gold and silver mining in the state. He worked for a time as a hard rock miner in shafts and tunnels before he and two friends decided to try their hand at prospecting. Well, they'd saved enough money that they were able to get all the gear and the outfit they needed, and including some burrows. So several weeks after leaving Leadville, they made their first strike, staking a claim on the site uh, that had a good showing of silver ore, which they absolutely, uh, subsequently sold for $7,500. So back then, that was a pretty good chunk of money. So Harris claimed uh, that that was the first money he ever got. And he traveled to Denver to, as he uh, says, quote, put on a party that made them all sit up and take notice. And in six weeks, he was dead broke, which was not unusual for guys when they made a big strike to go to town and spend it all. So this was all Harris needed to get hooked on prospecting, and he seemed to have been uh, fortunate in locating good claims. And he drifted from Colorado to Wallace, Idaho, clear up north from there to uh, mining districts in Montana, into Utah, Tombstone, Arizona, Virginia City, Nevada, Bodie, California. But the area that he spent the most time in was in the eastern California desert, Death Valley and that area. In the Panamint Range, uh, he and a partner found ore so rich that, as miners say, it was the eagle 
stamped right on it, so it's like it was almost pure gold. Now, Harris's use of Burroughs was summed up in an interview he gave a few years before his death. He said, all my traveling in this country was done on the hurricane deck of a jackass. And believe me, that's the way all big strikes have been made. A jack can go almost anywhere that a mountain sheep can and carry all that a man needs for a week, for several weeks journey. He said, you've heard it said that gold is where you find it. He said, I can tell you that it's usually found in places that are hard to get to and a burrow can get there when a horse or a mule would be stalled for good. Well, it was his burrows that led Harris to his most famous uh, mining discovery in 1904, the Bullfrog Claim. He and a partner named Ed Cross made a camp in the Amargosa Desert of southwestern Nevada. In the morning, Harris went out to round up his burrows and found them feeding on the side of a mountain near the camp. A few hundred feet away, he spied a ledge with some copper stains on it. After breaking a piece of uh, this off with his pick, he was astonished to see chunks of gold so big that, quote, it seemed to me the whole mountain was made of gold. Now, it was a greenish color, and so he named it the Bullfrog Mine. Within a few weeks, thousands of people swarmed the area of the new strike, many from nearby Goldfield. Uh, new towns were staked out, uh, Bonanza, Bullfrog, Amargosa City, Rhyolite. But eventually, only two towns uh, stayed, Bullfrog and Rhyolite. And Rhyolite kind of became the com- commercial center of the district, uh, at one point having stations from three different railroad lines. The largest and most successful mine in the district was the Montgomery Shoshone, which, uh, Shoshone, which eventually came to be owned by Charles Schwab. Now, if it seems Shorty Harris had finally found the claim that would make him his first million dollars, uh, he had kind of a moment of weakness that cost him that opportunity. And in his own words, here's what he said, quote, One night when I was pretty well lit up, a man named Brian took me to his room and put me to bed. The next morning when I woke up, I had a bad headache and I wanted more liquor. Well, Brian had left several bottles of whiskey on the chair beside the bed and locked the door. He said, I helped myself and went back to sleep. That was the start of the longest jag I ever went on. It lasted six days. When I came to, Brian showed me a bill of sale for the bullfrog and the price was only $25,000. He said, I got plenty sore, but it didn't do any good. There was my signature on the paper, and beside it, the signature of seven witnesses and the notary seal. I felt a lot worse when I found out that Ed, his ex-partner, had been paid 125000 for his half and had lit out for Lone Pine where he got married. Well, whether this particular version of the circumstances uh, surrounding the Bullfrog Mine is accurate, Kind of hard to know because I guess Sir, uh, Harris uh, never did tell the story twice. Uh, so anyway, uh, like many other big strikes, uh, it was not as profitable for gold uh, as it was for the sale of stocks and mining properties. So less than a decade after Harrison Cross located the Bullfrog, uh, the Rhyolite and Bullfrog had become ghost towns. They were done. Now, none of this stopped Harris from continuing his quest for the mother load. He crossed Death Valley and soon located claims near a place called Skidoo and a site which became his namesake, a place called Harrisburg. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, 
the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Well, the Harrisburg mine had the potential to make him a rich man. He accepted a combination of cash and stock, but at that time, company directors could vote the levy and assessment on stock. Now, that required the holder to pay up or lose his holdings. So this was the case with poor old Shorty Harris. Uh, he had to let his stock go because he couldn't pay the assessment. Now, Harris spent his remaining years just west of Death Valley in the desert ghost town of Ballarat, uh, California. He lived in the abandoned schoolhouse and continued to prospect the surrounding hills, always figuring that uh, he would uh, find the next big strike. In 1933, a portion of the adobe schoolhouse collapsed, trapping Harris and caused him some pretty bad injuries. Well, he was discovered by some friends, and they didn't figure he was going to survive, but he did. And after a long recovery, he was determined to return to the mountains to prospect. Well, he also did some work on the local roads for the county, which gave him a little money for food. And he and a few remaining friends, uh, they would just entertain each other with uh, stories of the old days. Now, during this time, he had a, a very good friend named Jimmy Dayton. Now, Jimmy died in July of 1898. Uh, he was a former prospector and swamper for the famed 20-mule team Borax Wagons. And he'd been a caretaker at a place called the Furnace Creek Ranch. Now, the circumstances of his death was recounted several years later in one of the newspapers uh, from Rhyolite, a newspaper called the Bullfrog Miner. And here's what it said in the newspaper. Quote, Dayton had started from Furnace Creek for Daggett with an empty wagon to get supplies for the farm. He was drawn by four horses and had two horses tied to the wagon in the rear. He had a cat in a box, which he was taking to a friend at Daggett, and a dog followed along. He continues, or the newspaper continues, he had been due in Daggett for two weeks and not arriving. Frank Tilden and a Mexican by the name of Dolph started out in search. It was midsummer, and they traveled by night. Within a mile and a half of the old Eagle Borax Works, they came upon the wagon of Dayton, which was in the road about eight miles this side of Bennett's Hole. Around the wagon were six dead horses in harnesses. Dayton's body lay under a mesquite bush near this roadside, and his dog sat by, his only silent partner. The cat in the box was also dead. They'd been there about 22 days. A survey of the place told the story. Dayton had become deranged from the heat. He had left his wagon and sought shade under the mesquite. He had died. The lead horse had drawn his companions around the wagon uh, to try to find water or feed, and they became tangled up and uh, around the wagon. Well, they stood there in a circle until they all died. The dog had found his way to a pool of slimy water a mile and a half away and was able to sustain himself. Uh, which kept the vultures and the coyotes away from the dead body of his master for 22 days. Well, once when Shorty was visited by a rider and a friend named Carruthers, the two men were driving through Death Valley and stopped at Dayton's grave. Shorty walked into the brush and gathered up a handful of desert wildflowers to place on the grave. 
Then turning to Carruthers, he said, quote, when I die, bury me beside my, by old Jim, uh, and right above me, quote, here lies Shorty Harris, a single blanket jackass prospector. Well, Shorty died in his sleep on November 10th, 1934. He was, uh, 78 years old. The short man was laid to rest next to Jimmy da- uh, Dayton with, uh, they had a, a, a service for him that gathered, uh, people around, uh, Kind of one of the largest crowds uh, that gathered uh, in Death Valley. But uh, it was 15 months after the death of Harris that the National Park Service conducted the memorial service and erected the monument, which still stands today, and it carries the bronze plaque, which bears Shorty Epitaph, just as he requested. A few months before, a few months before Shorty died while recovering from his accident, this William Crothers had asked him if he would choose prospecting again if he had his life to live over. And he said, I wouldn't change places with the President of the United States. My only regret is that I didn't start sooner. When I got out, every time my foot touches the ground, I think that before the sun goes down, I'll be worth $10 million. Well, his friend reminded him that he never got the $10 million. But uh, giving Carruthers a, a look, Shorty said, well, who in the heck wants $10 million? He says, it's the game, man. It's the game. So that was the story of the one of the oldest and last prospectors in the Old West. And why he chose Death Valley, I don't know. That uh, seemed like a pretty desolate area to, to spend your life uh, looking for gold. Anyway, folks, that's the story for this week, and I'll see you next week.